All right, everybody, we just finished up a little over an hour podcast uh, talking about the potential to have to wear orange as a bow hunter during the overlap of muzzleloader season. I strongly encourage you to listen to the entire podcast. A lot of good topics, a great debate, a uh, great conversation. Um, before you, um, obviously, that's going to be next. What I want you to do, we have two gentlemen on that we'll announce here in a minute. Um, you know, you'll hear it again, but Henry Ferguson with the Colorado Bowhunters Association. Uh, and Joey, uh, you are the liaison for CPW. Yeah, yeah, on the CBA, right. Uh, okay, for the CBA. You guys want to kick out where they can go, what the poll will be about, and what you would like these people to do that are going to listen to this podcast. So on our main page, we're going to, ha- at coloradobowhunting.org, we are going to have a four-question survey. And Joey can go over what those four questions are, and that's going to take you about 90 seconds to complete. And the important thing is here, this is making your voice heard and your thoughts on this known. Joey, what are those four questions? Yeah, yeah. So the first one is going to be, do you archery hunt in Colorado? Then will you continue to archery hunt or plan to hunt here if you're required to wear orange during muzzleloader? Um, would wearing 500 inches of orange impact your success rate as a bow hunter? And then instead of wearing orange, would you be willing to complete a safety certification much like mountain lion or whatever uh before you buy a tag and then there's going to be open comments too um the the big thing here there's a there's an issue paper that you'll see on the survey and you can read about it and what the uh, parks and wildlife preferred alternative is and then there's a there's also a page on how you can submit public comments right to the commission yeah uh so you can even watch the thing i mean that's been one of the sort of pros of everybody being remote as you used to have to drive to the commission meeting all over the state. Now you can tune into the YouTube or the zoom where they do it and you can sign up to even speak virtually. So if you got comments, send them right to the commission. You know, there's an email address right there or even sign up to speak. So there, there you go. And I, I would strongly encourage, obviously, if you're passionate about this um, and definitely, like I said, listen to the podcast, uh, get some, you know, food for thought. Um, Send in a letter, um, a, a, a responsible letter um, that, that, you know, sheds bow hunting and a, a hunting in general in a positive light. Uh, you know, don't be the guy that gets on there and just said, this sucks. I mean, get on there, make some, st- you know, make some, some comments, statements, tell a story, let them know why or why not this is a good idea um, and what you think about it. And, and again, you will hear us for an hour, hour plus talk about it, that have you ever walked down the trail wishing you had orange on? And have you ever been on, uh, you know, had an encounter with an animal where orange would have hindered your ability to, to take that animal and, and look at it that way as well? Or, or as a photographer, Aaron, have you ever wanted to take a picture of somebody wearing orange walking across a field? No, no, I, I, I haven't. Um, no, I, I have taken some photos of people doing yoga at <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely listen to the podcast, make your voice. I mean, we do have a, a fairly large following and we encourage if, if you, if you bow hunt, if you plan to bow hunt out here, make your voice heard, get on there and vote, uh, write a letter, uh, make sure you get it to the right. You know, there's again, all the, the, the correspondence, the emails, everything else is, is on that website. And again, what is it? Coloradobowhunting.org. Yep. Hop on there and, uh, you know, do your best, make a difference. I forgot I even had that in my pack. This is a sport, man. If Joe flicked my ear, I'd probably crack him in the forehead.
Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. We're getting real close to the Christmas season. What are we today? Um, it is the 22nd. So if we don't do another podcast before, I want to wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas if you're into that and a happy holidays. Um, I've got Cohen, uh, the IT genius across from me, uh, also an avid outdoorsman and hunter, and uh, I guess the brains behind the operation uh, at Kafaru. <laughs> Uh, how's it going, guys? <laughs> uh, and then uh, to my right, I've got my, how long have we known each other? Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I think it was like 1999. Yeah, we were both a fat. While. We were both fat then. I still am. I try to lead by example. but The best uh, things in life are consistent. <laughs> I, I do have a photo of you and I and all our splendor, uh, both at full draw. Yeah, we were. If there was a weight limit on a on a three D <laughs> course, we would have met it on the on the peg. But uh, but anyway, Henry Ferguson and Henry, are you now the or soon to be the president of the CBA? Well, guess the official titles, chairman and chairman. Yeah, when they uh, when they had elections a couple of weeks ago, none of my friends spoke up when they asked for objections <laughs> <laughs> and uh, felt that that was a little little mean on their part. But you know, for everybody, we all have our turn. So. I, I guess it's my turn. Yeah. So there, there, there you go. Henry Ferguson, a longtime friend, hunter, traditional archer, and the chairman of the CBA. And then to my left, we have Joey, and I don't know your last name. Brown. Joey Brown. That's easy to remember. There and you, you are the CPW liaison or on the board for the uh, yes, sir. CPW? Okay. Yeah. Uh, propane and propane accessories uh, type <laughs> of things. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I like your flannel. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no problem. Henry, you took yours. Henry wore a flannel to uh, meet the dress code. I did, yeah. I, I And I, I can't even begin to tell you how disappointed I was that Frank just walked by in a black coat. Yeah. Well, and Ooh, I don't have a flannel no on flannel. today either. I, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of back and forth on the, Yeah, uh, you know, one day I'm trad, one day I'm compound. One exactly. Day I'm, yeah, one day I'm gym rat. <laughs> You got to mix it up. Keep yeah. them guessing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, uh, recently, what, what, we're, what we are going to talk about today or one of the main subjects, um, I, and I'm sure some of you listening have heard about this, was the potential on the board for uh, bow hunters in Colorado during the other overlap of muzzleloader season to have to wear four or 500 cubic inches of orange. Is that correct? Five, yeah, 500 square inches, just square. like yeah, right, that's correct. Yeah. See, you think in backpack terms, everything's a cubic, cubic inch. Yeah. Square. <laughs> well, if it's cubic, it'd actually be easier to put your pocket, maybe. Um, so, <laughs> there you go. Uh, we're, we were going to discuss that. You know, when I, you know, my views on this, I'll get it right out. You know, I, before I even ask you guys, when I first heard this, I'm like, ah, man, I think there's been three incidents in the last, I don't know, 20 years, 10 years, something, I don't know, a long time. And I didn't study up on that. I just knew there was very few. And then my next thing was like, why do you have to, you know, make it mandatory when anybody feeling unsafe can just wear orange? Um, and then the next thing was, you know, it's been brought to my attention, animals can't see orange. And I was like, well, they can see blocks of color. And, and Absolutely. that's a fairly large um, chunk of, you know, the, being a traditional archer, it, it is extreme. You know, I'm spray painting and tying things on my limbs and my bow, a, a big block of, of, uh, of orange. Now, again, you choose to do that. No problem. Um, but these two gentlemen are on here today uh, speaking, um, you know, obviously for the uh, Colorado Bowhunters Association and wanted to kind of tell their story, what's going on, and maybe what some of our listeners could do to, to help. So, Henry, kind of take it from there. All right. Well, yeah, so there's, again, there's a proposal out there from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife 
that uh, there's four different options. And essentially, they're due to the most recent uh, muzzleloader bow hunter bad <laughs> interaction. Conflict. Yeah. yeah, conflict that resulted in the death of a bow hunter um, this last September. Real quick before you go on, uh, for people who may not be in Colorado, can you go into that just a little bit yeah, more? That's a good idea. Yeah. Thanks, Colin. Um, so basically, last, last September, there, was, uh, there were two bow hunters down in the southwestern part of the state. And the details of exactly what happened aren't really available yet, but kind of the commonly told story is it was uh, two hunters calling each other in. And um, as as is often the case in in things like this, it was somebody who took a shot that they didn't know what was on the other end of that shot. And so it's, I mean, so far there's been charges of negligent homicide and these charges are likely to stick i mean the last time this happened five years ago um that guy i'm pretty sure is still in prison because it was an an, again an act of negligent homicide so we're we're basically trying to regulate small small incident that happens now granted when it does it's you know this is horrible this is not something that should happen in the woods i mean it's not something we take the woods thinking well well, yeah, I th- just I th- the day. I, I think, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think, you know, just to interrupt quickly that hunter safety, uh, obviously, well, you know, just like y- even you hand somebody a weapon, first thing you do is check if it's loaded, treat all uh, weapons like they're loaded, you know, all standard basic safety practices. Obviously, the other ones, you don't start chucking, you know, uh, muzzleloader rounds in the buckwheat nor arrows, yeah, obviously. So exactly. something to think about uh, before we continue, it is, it is vital. Obviously, you know, target identification, you know what you're shooting at. And that can happen, bow, muzzleloader, rifle, you know, obviously safety, just practice safety. Um, you know, it's, it's every incident I've known, uh, known of about this or near miss is target identification. That's, yeah. that's the problem. And, and again, also um, muzzle awareness, flagging people, like you hear something calling, you want to come up semi at the ready, but not pointing at the noise. Uh, obviously pointing down with the idea, if you need to get to where the noise is being made, you can target acquisition quickly. Don't come up with, you know, you don't want to be pointing right at a hunter if it's someone calling. Obviously, you have to know that there's an animal there. Just wanted to mention that before you go on. So go ahead. Yeah. And it's, it's base, it's literally the stuff they teach you in the first hour of hunter safety. Um, and, and for some reason, those lessons occasionally get forgotten. Um, so basically they've, they've presented four options to the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Commission and they are, and these four options are number one, do you have that pulled up there, Joey? Well, yeah. And I think it might be it, helpful yeah, for, because it can be a little eye opening to see or to understand how stuff gets changed in the regs yeah. book, right? Uh, you know, if you pull it up, there's a whole bunch of stuff that is outdated or doesn't make a whole ton of sense when you read it. And it can be pretty confusing. I mean, all you have to do is spend 10 minutes on a or, you know, any type of internet chat board and find out everybody has the same question. You know, can I do this? Can I do that? If I hunt with this tag, what do I have to do? Um, yeah. But the, the basic gist is an issue gets raised normally by CPW staff or others. Uh, staff will look at it with all the experts and find out what do they think the crux of the issue is. They'll, draw, they'll draft up an issue paper. In this case, uh, the issue talks about trying to solve the conflict between 
uh, archery and muzzleloader hunters. So the, the question is, should there be changes to season timing or daylight fluorescent orange slash pink requirements to address conflict between archery and muzzleloader hunters? So that's the issue paper. And CPW staff takes that, they pull some data, they come up with usually some options and solutions, which they call alternatives. Uh, staff picks one and they call it the preferred alternative. There's a, a two-meeting process at the commission. So there's a wildlife commission that's all citizens appointed by the governor. They help make a, a lot of the decisions. So it's not just the parks and wildlife government staff, if you will, making the decisions. They give it to the citizen commission to help weigh in. So they take the issue, they present it at one meeting with the commission, they allow public comment there. Then a month or two months go by, depending on the meeting schedule, and then at the next meeting, they take all the discussion from the first meeting, any extra alternatives, and that's where it would actually get voted on to go into effect by the commission. So the issue Henry's talking about was discussed at the November meeting. There was, I mean, it was a pretty robust discussion. You can actually go watch it online on the CPW website, but uh, they take it there. And then coming up in January is when they'll actually vote on it. And that's why we're talking here today a few days before Christmas, because we're doing our best to just make sure everybody is informed and understands what's going on. I mean, the story's not new. You got two guys calling each other in the woods. You have one that makes a horrible mistake that ends up killing a 31-year-old bow hunter. Yeah. So with, with what you're, um, you know, talk, um, you said there's four, right? There's four alternatives. What, could you want to bring those four alternatives up? Yes, sir. Yeah, so. In the bullet points, that looks like a lot to read. The general <laughs> gist. <so. laughs> yeah. The general gist is uh, there's, there's two alternatives that include bow hunters wearing the 500 square inches of solid orange or pink that must be worn as an outer garment above the waist and a hat, right? Everybody yeah. knows what it is. Most people throw on a vest and a hat. It's a vest and a hat. To so, put it simply. Yeah, the preferred alternative, so the one that the staff was recommending at the November meeting, we'll find out if that sticks at the January meeting when it actually gets voted on, but uh, that's all uh, archery hunters during the period of overlap, so during muzzleloader season right in the middle, wearing that on public land only. Uh, the next alternative is wearing that everywhere west of I-25, so public and private. The third one is separating the archery and muzzleloader seasons, which in their first issue paper, it says this may include shortening archery and muzzleloader season. Uh, and then the fourth alternative, which is the one the CBA supports, is status quo. So don't change anything. Uh, with the status quo, and, and I made some phone calls yesterday, uh, you know, kind of um, sometimes what I think is right may not be, you know, so I always want to kind of bounce it around friends, things like that, different game wardens, um, what their thoughts are. And, you know, to me, one of the things that first popped up before I made the phone call that were bullet points to talk about is, uh, there is a rifle air season, which is a rifle is a much more lethal, uh, weapon than a muzzleloader, uh, you know, and there's a scope on it, obviously. So, um, that's one, one issue. There's a lot of overlapping, um, Potential issues of overlapping muzzle or excuse me, rifle season, high country buck hunt, things like that. 
there's very few issues with the muzzleloader archer um, overlap. Yeah, th- what was it? Three and how long? Uh, twenty-five years is what they said. Th- three yeah. and twenty-five years. So status quo um, with maybe the awareness of you can wear orange if you want seems to be that would be the direction I would personally go because um, you know do you wear a seatbelt? It's it's the it's the law, I guess, or whatever. But some people choose not to. Some people choose to. But it's a law. And a good one, right? It makes sense. Everybody should wear a seatbelt. I don't look at <laughs> Hunter Orange, an archer wearing Hunter Orange to be the same kind of parallel as that. I don't even see hunters where I go. So I would yeah. be penalized as a bow hunter hiking in eight miles for a high country mule deer hunt, something like that. Um, you know, and there are other places where there is more overlap with that, but just wear an orange vest, right? And, and maybe have a campaign of awareness. Hey, if you're out there and you're worried, put some money into that. We're orange, but not make it a loss. Status quo with a little more awareness and maybe a little bit more effort into hunter safety. You guys, what are your thoughts on that? First of all, yeah, that's that's pretty much where we stand on that. I mean, couldn't have, couldn't have said it much better ourselves. There's there's a couple of there's a couple of other kind of underlying issues here. First of all, with our new season structure that we're in year, we just finished year two of our five year season structure, which had new dates. Uh, where traditionally we'd gone from the last Saturday in August to the last Sunday in September. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we just changed that to September 2nd to September 30th, which if you do look at it, uh, those rifle bear dates are September 2nd to September 30th. Mm-hmm. As, and so, I mean, there's, there are a lot of people in the field at that time. There's no doubt. I mean, whether it's um, grouse hunters bear hunters, high country buck hunters for a, a short period. Um, for seven, the, seven day season, I think. Yeah, that, seven yeah. day season. Then you've got nine days of muzzleloader. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of people out there. Goat hunts in oh, there yeah, yeah, well. yeah, yeah, sure. And, and oh, moose, believe me, my brain started well. cranking. Yeah, <laughs> oh, there's, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah there's, the, the fact is, September's a freaking great time to be out in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah absolutely. And well, I mean, as you put it earlier, when you head out, you never think this may be my last day because I don't have orange on. Yeah, it's not. That's not. I've never walked off the thing being, man. It had orange on today. That has never crossed my mind. So, it, not to interrupt, when you when this was brought up to me and you called, I'm like, I'm still trying to wrap my head around who the hell thought this was a good idea. Like, it just didn't make sense. <laughs> it's well, and here in Colorado, not only hunters out in the woods, there are just as many hikers. So, Colin, you, know, you, more, you just oh, nailed it more. because truthfully, there are a ton. It depends on where you're hunting, but you could be seeing more hikers, more people in Patagonia than you mm-hmm. are in Blaze Orange or Camo. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just a reality of where we live. But the fact is, option number three, which is separating muzzleloader and, and archery seasons, again, Joey said something that was very key in there. Um, they have mentioned that that would likely lead to shortening one or both seasons. And I mean, we've, we're very protective of the number of days of field that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, let's face it, we're using a low, you know, bow hunting has a very low success rate for, mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons. Number pick one a, is pick up a stick bow. No, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but truthfully, archery season has a, a very low success rate as it is. Mm-hmm. And the thought of taking that and dressing in a solid blaze orange for nine days of the season, I mean, that's, that's going to have an impact on people's, not just on their success rate, but also on their hunter experience, because it's going to affect your ability to get close to the animal. One, so, 
one thing we didn't bring up is what will be the monetary loss for the state of Colorado for people, me probably being one of them, like, I'll just hunt another state. That's a stupid rule. That, that, you know that, what? That really hasn't been brought It's up. untold. It's untold at this point. But yeah, I, I think inevitably there will be that there will be an impact from that. There's no question There's about it. There's people that don't hunt Idaho because they don't want to shoot. Uh, fixed blade broadhead. Yeah. You know, it's, no, they may not admit it, but they've told me. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the orange, again, anywhere, anyone can wear orange. It's a free country. Go ahead. Yeah, they can wear it. So, so but this five-year, so every five years, uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife restructures the seasons, and there's a five-year block that that goes with. So, like I said, we're in year two of that five-year season structure, um, and the amount of discussion that goes into that uh, from all of the interested parties, it's immense. And to, so to make, a, to make a change to that outside of that five-year season structure, we don't really feel like that's a, a, a great alternative because, again, it just lacks the public input there. That, that's, so that's why, that's why we are supporting status quo. I mean, first of all, we don't want to wear blaze orange. You can if you want to, as Aaron said, but we want we want that hunt to be a bow hunt. We want that to be a, an archery hunt. I mean, hey, I'm a guy who wears a face mask and, you know, full camo and gets as, as close as I can. I mean, I, I want all these, op, all these odds in my favor that I can while still using a weapon with limited range. Well, and yeah, I think most bow hunters or any bow hunters I've hunted with or talked to or even looked at at the shop, you know, uh, would like the seasons to be separated but when you say the seasons need to be separated and that's going to penalize the bow hunters season most people don't want that well yeah then there's a there's a quick change and so you know if we look at it at the next five-year structure where we're not setting a precedent that you know two years in if we need to change it we can just change it willy-nilly the five-year thing doesn't mean anything i think it makes a lot of sense if we were to look at it at the next structure change um I think you get into more of the biology side and, you know, do we need a quiet period between archery and rifle? Do we need, you know, how much time do the elk or the deer actually need to be not being chased around so we have a better calf take-up rate for elk so the elk can actually rut a little bit before the orange army comes out and starts popping shots? Um, But that's, those are all the things that they take into account when they do the five-year structure. And right now, I think it's just looking for the easy solution. It's, well, if you want to shorten it, or if you want to separate the seasons, we're going to shorten it because we don't have the time to go look at everything and how it might impact the herds. Or let's just slap orange on somebody because, you know, maybe that'll help. So one of the things that um, Frank brought up yesterday was uh, the worry that with, like the last go-around where we lost season date, uh, we we lost time in the field. We start if we start fighting back. Will or when I say fighting back, defending ourselves, making common sense statements. Um, will we end up losing? You know, rather than just sort of giving in and throwing on orange. Will will we? Um, will they say okay? We'll just separate it now. You got three. Well, the last decision, and I'm not trying to uh, what is it? Backseat quarterback, you know. But <laughs> yeah, there was a lot. I mean. Without dropping an F-bomb, whoever made those decisions, I'm not happy with. Those did not really make much sense to me personally. As a high country mule deer hunter, Henry, you're a mule deer freak. I more got than it. One thing. 
Frank's the same way. Why didn't you leave the archery season for mule deer where it was? Have some separation where elk would be bothered less. I don't bother elk when I'm mule deer hunting. I'm deer yeah, hunting. exactly. And so the, the, the ideals behind, okay, they need a break. Well, that's longer of a break. And then elk hunters take off. They get to hunt. Mule deer season ends a week before elk. And then there's less people in the field potentially from that. I didn't, I think you fought for that. Okay, so so here's, yeah, <laughs> Henry so fought for that. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up because it, that was a hotly contested issue. And it was something that we discussed internally on the CBA board for what our stance would be for that for months. I mean, literally, I think there were three or four different meetings that we discussed this. And we had some other proposals in, but here's, here's the interesting thing. When we polled our membership, over 70% wanted a September 1st to September 30th start date. That was, and I mean, we, we need to keep in mind that while Aaron and I think with the right part of our brains and we prefer hunting mule deer, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, so it, here's, there's, there's a lot that hunt elk, and that's, that drives a lot of the decision-making. I, I think, I guess what I'm getting at and what I'm, I'm leading up to is it is vital to me to have all parties speak because I wouldn't disagree yeah. with you. Elk hunters are much more uh, prominent than they have a bigger they, voice here because there's more of them. Yeah. And I and I guess I I would have been with those seventy percent or elk. I would have agreed with them. I have any issue with that. I wouldn't even mind a couple days. You know, lose a couple days to potentially get more in the rut. You know, like oh, if if you got to rob Peter to pay Paul, I get that. But we didn't have all parties involved speaking because. There's still, you would not talk me out of the fact that if mule deer season started earlier, elk would get less pressure because now they have mule deer and elk hunters at the same time. Um, generally, uh, you know, you can hunt elk and you know, I've, as you know, my main thing hunting elk was at above tree line, summer feeding patterns mm-hmm. early, but there would have been a separation of less people on that last week because mule deer hunters would not have been out there. And so yeah. it would have been better. So I'm not disagreeing the 70%, but nobody heard the minority, which was, would have been better in the end. And so here's the thing with the orange. Do we will, I mean, we're, we, I, I would like all parties involved to be able to speak intelligently and come to um, uh, an agreement. And, and it sounds like the, um, some of the people that make some of these decisions go through are not. You know, I don't know how the, you know, the bag of snakes works here. They're not all hunters, right? They're, they're making decisions for hunters. Not necessarily, hunters, yeah. Not necessarily hunters. And so uh, from face value, it's super simple for them. Have them wear orange. But they're not out there trying to harvest an animal. Well, this is why Joey them. and I both traveled down to Lamar to speak out at that last commission meeting. Because we drive, wanted to. By the way? No. Oh, it was lovely. Why did they choose Lamar since it's literally almost Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they have several commission meetings around the, around, and they hold them at different places around the state every year. So Lamar is kind of the last, the location for the last meeting every year. The last year. stop. <laughs> the last stop. But, but truly it's, it's a, uh, they move it around the state. So everybody has an opportunity to attend and, and everybody yeah. has an opportunity to be represented yeah, I, I don't but, have any issue with lamar i was just it is a no, long no, drive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it is and uh, hey we we made it i mean i went down and back 
Joey stuck around because he was speaking the next day. And I, I, I'll be honest, I think Joey kind of took advantage of the CBA and his <laughs> lodging accommodations. He uh, stayed on at, top of the sheets. Yeah. He stayed at the nicest 0.5 star hotel <laughs> in Lamar. At least there was a five star somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a point in front yeah. of it, but yeah. Uh, that's funny. But, uh, you know, and, and hey, Aaron, to, to stay on that topic, given the choice, I would... I would love to see archery deer dates coincide with archery antelope dates. Give us August 15th to September 20th, and I am happy as can be, and I'll never complain about I don't think you would <laughs> find deer we, season again. We, we talked about that, and, and obviously with this podcast, we go down a lot of rabbit holes, yep. um, which are good. I mean, most of our best conversations are rabbit holes. Um, we talked about that. You might lose 2% of horn growth if you start maybe. on Maybe. You know, maybe. but... You, you, I don't care, right? And so if that gave me um, two weeks alone, roughly, for high yeah. country mule deer, you wouldn't see me in the woods much after that. Two, oh, I mean, and I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. I'm so completely with you. It, and not that I have anything. I have transferred, you know, I it transitioned over. I used to elk hunt more. And so I would still probably elk hunt. Obviously, I sure. would. But Oh, yeah. Hey, if there's a season, I'm, gonna, I'm yeah. probably going to be out there. But what I'm not going to be doing is putting pressure on mule deer, yeah. right? After that first two weeks, prime time, I'm off. And now mule deer get a break. I've given the elk a break. I'm probably going to have to go back to work and, and maybe not me. Yeah. I don't ever work. But <laughs> I might have to go back to work like most people. That's a more of a break for, for elk, you know, and obviously the breeding and everything else. Okay, well, that decision was not made, and in, in, in my opinion, the decision that was made sucks. Um, I don't want to happen, that to happen with this orange debacle because 25 years, three incidents, two of them very negligent, one of them, you know, <laughs> but the not other still one, negligent. The other one was too. Yeah, okay, because yeah. I, I didn't want to speak. Um, negligent can't blame i mean you, you can't what's that you can't hate the player you know don't hate the player hate the game right yeah. you can't hold everyone accountable for someone not following the basic rules of hunter safety and again anyone can wear orange they want so my my strong uh, the letter i started typing to send to the cpw is very clear more awareness have campaigns if you're out there and you're you're worried you're a new hunter you know you can wear orange I, that was a very easy um, avenue of approach. I'd be more than happy to get any C- CPW officer on here, start talking about hunter safety. Again, as we're talking about you can wear orange if you want, go over weapon safety. Not just, I mean, I can shoot you with a bow as easy as I can with a, I mean, honestly, I'm probably more accurate with a bow than I am with a muzzleloader. So <laughs> with you there. <laughs> again, and those are the things where I want people, if this was the round table, I want you to be a muzzleloader speaking. I want you to be an archer speaking about this. Uh, me, maybe a neutral kind of, we'll call me a civil libertarian uh, portion of it, and you being a non-hunter completely. Now, I don't see any laws being made where hikers have to wear because well, they'll wear it if they're worried. Yeah, and that's, that's what this really kind of boils down to is a, is a personal choice, personal freedom like issue for us. And, yeah, Sorry. well, hey, you know, <laughs> <or a> mask. <laughs> yeah. Are yeah. we going to get tagged now? Is there going to be a little thing at the bottom saying COVID-19, yeah, COVID-19. information? Click here. Uh, there probably will be. There yeah. might be. <laughs> well, I have a question. It's like hunting, going out in the woods is an inherently dangerous activity. Attacked by a bear, you could fall off a mountain, you could be anything. Lightning. How, lightning. Yeah. Dehydration. People die in the woods all the time not hunting. How safe do we want to make hunting? 
Do we want to require everyone to have bear spray? Do we want to require everyone to check in on a go on a, you know, in reach? Yeah. Do we want to have all these requirements that yes, they're going to make us safer, uh, but ultimately are going to kind of ruin the experience of why we go out in the woods. Well, and that's why a big, a big part of what we're talking about here is hunter experience. I mean, it's not just the safety aspect. It is truly the experience. I mean, I'll tell you, I love getting close to an animal. I mean, seeing a, seeing a big mule deer pass me, you know, walk past me, feed past me as I've snuck in on it at close range that I just like, ah, you know, that's not quite the buck I'm looking for. And that's a, get a charge out of that. That's the hunter experience to me. And I mean, that's something that would go, would be very negatively affected if if I'm wearing blaze orange. Just like Aaron was saying, I, my wife and I go hiking during rifle season. I throw on a blaze hat. I give her a blaze hat. Our dogs get blaze uh, handkerchiefs. Yeah. No requirement for that. I just feel safer with it on. Yeah. And it, well, that's the thing too is like with the commission the way it is right now, there's hunters, there's non-hunters. That's the way it needs to be, right, yeah. with the Parks and Wildlife Commission because if you have it one way, everybody's a hunter. They're not making decisions solely based on hunting. You know, I wouldn't want a board of complete or all hunters making decisions, you know, on how parks should be structured and state parks if, passes, yeah, right? No I was going to say, yeah. if it was the Colorado, uh, you know, because it's changed, what it used to be and what it is now is yeah. we've merged right. it all together. So you're 100% correct because I'm not climbing 14ers, right? I'm, I'm not right. the park pass guy. I mean, that's not, I would be a hypocrite stating what I am now. I wouldn't be the guy to make that decision, nor do I try because that's not my wheelhouse. But those people do sometimes make some decisions for us. And again, it's the parallel, right? I'm not going to be the guy that makes that decision because I'm not this, you know, I'm a hunter and an outdoorsman, but I'm not a, I'm not a hiker. Or I'm not a 14er guy. So I shouldn't be making decisions on that, I, in my opinion. And yeah. that's why we, and that's why we surveyed our, we're, we're, starting to gather a lot of information. So a couple of weeks ago, we did a survey of CBA membership. I'll have Joey give you numbers on that here in a minute. But uh, we surveyed all of our members, sent out an email, got like 865 responses in 24, 48 hours. It was, it was quick. Yeah. Um, so it showed us people are passionate about this. And so what we're going to do next um, well, actually, here, Joey, give them, give them the numbers. Well, if you would, I want to go back, though, because I thought it was a really good question. Like, how safe do we need to make hunting? Um, as hunters, we understand there are inherent risks, yeah. right? It, I think it's more dangerous to drive on I-70 to where I want to hunt than it is to actually be out there. Maybe I should put orange on my truck. Um, <laughs> but, you well, know, we, we understand it because we do it, right? Yeah. You've twisted an ankle. You've been on some yeah. rock slides where you started praying and you know, thought about calling your mom. At least I have. I may have. Yeah. Or Uh, my wife. Right. Right. Uh, Or both. Um, but we get it, I think. And that's one of the things I want to make sure everybody understands because, you know, I don't ski. I have a few times. I don't really like it. I got bad knees and, you know, it scares the hell out of me to go down a mountain that fast. It's just not that fun. Um, but you know, what, a couple of weeks ago you had two skiers die in a period of eight or nine days in Colorado. Last year, I just pulled it up. 11 people died for the 20, uh, 2020 and 21 season. You have 11 skiers wow. die, and we have three bow hunters being killed in 25 years. But I think, uh, you know, most people in Colorado understand there are risks when you're skiing, 
If you want to wear a helmet, cool. If you don't, you don't. If you're not good enough to go through the trees, don't go through the the trees trees. and bonk your head, (laughs) right? People understand it and there's not a big uproar because most people, like, they get it. Skiing is dangerous activity. It's dangerous. You know, there hasn't been the big uproar over skier safety as there is for hunters because I think, you know, we're a minority. We're not, most people in Colorado are not hunters and most hunters are not bow hunters. Right. Right. Not. And Henry, you were saying you ran into that just going uh, to a, the commissioner meeting, that the commissioners were having a hard time even kind of wrapping their minds well, around we, hunting. Yeah, there's, so, so the interesting thing is the makeup of the Wildlife Commission is, is pretty interesting because you have a big cross-section of the population. I mean, it is, as Joey said, it's a citizen-run, it's a citizen organization. And the cool thing about it is it does represent a big, vast number and wide swath of thoughts on Colorado usage. So, yeah, I mean, they didn't, I mean, we were a little bit surprised and, you know, we had to kind of explain the difference between blaze orange and camo and how, you know, how it would be, have a negative impact on, on bow hunters. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because when, like Aaron said, with the merger between parks and wildlife, you need that. Absolutely. You need that yeah. broad cross section. And so we have that. Yeah. Well, um, one of the, I'm, a, I'm very much of a, a freedom of choice guy. You know, like I'm not bringing up the vaccine. I'm not against the vaccine. Take it if you want. Don't take it. Okay. Well, uh, if you, the statistics you just pulled up, should everybody be wearing a helmet, drive a car? It would make you safer. Uh, it'd be like the Fig Newton thing on a Talladega night. Slightly inconvenient, but I mean, <laughs> how safe do we want to make driving? Seatbelt rule would made total sense, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody wears seatbelts. Saved super, a lot of lives. Yep, super cl- yeah. uh, you click, you're good. But okay, everybody, now you got to wear a helmet. Okay, well, why? Well, there was more accidents this year. Maybe some of the, one of the people that showed up on site, um, you know, had a, um, a moment where he's like, this is a good decision. Again, how safe do you want to make driving? How safe do you want to make hunting? And are you doing it to a point um, that there's a, a diminishing return for all those involved that are just trying to go out and enjoy the outdoors? Again, if you wanted to wear a helmet to work, you could. I mean, yeah. I don't know very many people would, but <laughs> you could. Um, if you want to wear orange, I've said it about 10 times, put orange on. And I would say the root of the problem is not orange, it's uh, weapon safety. I mean, that's that's the root of the problem, really. And well, so just and focus on that. What we would like to do is partner with Colorado Parks and Wildlife and come up with a kind of a a safety component that goes along with getting your tag fulfilled. So before you get your tag, you need to if you are hunting in a season that overlaps, you need to pass like a, a maybe a ten question course that discusses hunter safety that discusses how to how to interact with other hunters how to interact with other um you know not necessarily even just hunters it could be how to how to work with like colin mentioned earlier with all the hikers that are out there um and just how to be responsible in the field so that's kind of our well, yeah i mean and it's like we've already seen it working right if you want to go hunt a mountain lion you got to take a an identification yep. quiz right you look at some pictures is this male is this female is it okay to shoot him in a tree is it not whatever because you know i i know a lot of people who would put it any of these tragedies they would put all of the blame 
on the muzzleloader hunter. And this might be controversial at this table. Maybe I'll uh, slide back a little bit for the fist <laughs> flying, but no, you know, no. I don't, I don't. It was something I was going to bring up. So yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- you have to put some responsibility on bow hunters as well. Absolutely. You know, if you break that down though, cause that's a very broad statement that could be taken the wrong way without <laughs> right. context. One of the things, and I have had guys roll up, you know, ready to go. I'm calling with a muzzleloader in their yeah. hand. You know, I don't just dive out of the woods. You know, I'm like, hey, hey. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, uh, hey, I, last time I checked, elk don't say hey, right? <laughs> no, and so, again, if, um, and, and in I'm In my not, experience, they only bark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then <Good> run. <laughs> uh, not to make light of a <laughs> horrible, but truly, I mean, you, there, there are times, and I'm not blaming the, the bow hunter and this, this, this has nothing to do with the incidents. Yeah, right. This is general, hey, let's throw some shit on the wall and talk about it. There are times where I have seen, um, God, I hate, talking about fist flying. I've seen bow hunters be dickheads and call muzzleloader hunters in to be funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. happened. That, that's a bow well, hunter. It, don't do that shit. Yeah, Sorry, go it's, ahead. it's not responsible. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and truthfully, this is why, uh, take Danny Ferris's company, that Ultimate Predator Decoy, that's why he has orange, orange. flaps yeah. that you can put below the ears so that you can be safer during these overlaps. And, I mean, I think that's a great idea, you know, on a decoy. But, but well, yeah. Yeah, the, like, when I say there's some responsibility on the bow hunters, too, like, I don't think we can wash our hands of it and say we don't have any part of this, right? Yeah. There's more archery hunters in the woods now than there ever was, I think. There's um, more muzzleloader hunters than there ever were. I think but, it goes to a, a po- kind of a bigger point that a lot of us, at least a lot of, I know a lot of us at this table, probably were raised in hunting or raised around hunting. And in that, there's etiquette. You know, your dad, your grandpa, your uncle, whoever, your mom, whoever taught you hunting, they're like, hey, don't do that. You know, don't call in a muzzleloader. Make yourself aware and there's a lack or uh, I feel like there's a lack of etiquette or understanding of forest etiquette, woods etiquette by everyone. Uh, Muzzleloaders, archers, hikers. If we could just increase that and make it, I don't know how, I don't know how you increase that knowledge base. Well, you, I mean, one of the ideas uh, that we talked about at our last board meeting was just like when you go to buy a mountain lion tag, you are forced, you got to take a mandatory course yeah. to prove, and it's like 70 or 80% correct before you can buy the tag. Do yeah. the same if you're buying an archery tag, if yeah. you're buying a muzzleloader tag. Hey, are you aware that there are muzzleloaders in the woods with you and a bow? Are you aware that you shouldn't shoot through the leaves at something you don't, un- like, you don't see? You know, maybe throw up a picture of something through the woods, a brown piece of fabric and say, yeah. is this a good idea to shoot at? Yes or no, right? Right. And, it, and as mundane or maybe rudimentary as that is, it, it could pop an eye open every now and then like, yeah, good point. You know, that is a good point. And, you know, I mean, for example, when I hunt in Utah, if I want to hunt the extended archery area, I have to take a test. I have to take a test and I have to get 100% on that test or I do not get access to that other, to that additional season. Um, they have the same thing for bear baiting over there. They have the same thing for uh, sheep and goat you know, and identification and counting. And, and I mean, it, it's, it's not something that's not already out there. We're not asking for something big here. And we, like I said, we want to partner with Parks and Wildlife on a solution here. We want to come up with a solution that's, that truly is equitable for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're not looking for something, as Joey said, hey, we're, we're not 
overlooking our own personal responsibility in this. We are very fully aware of that. And again, we just want to be part of the solution. We don't want, you know, we want to help avoid this in the future. Yeah. And I think information can go a heck of a long way. I mean, I've talked to guys from Kansas that drive out to elk hunt here and they don't realize muzzle loaders are going on at the same time, right? You're or having bear rifle. Rear, uh, yeah. People don't know rifle, that at all. Right. I still remember the first time I, I drove up to a trailhead and there were three guys in blaze orange vests getting out, uh, out of their trucks. I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing out here? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I, mean, I saw I was, a, a rifle hunter for bear when I was uh, hunting archery, I thought he was poaching. I walked I over too. to him. I was like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm hunting bear. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and see, that right there, that's that's a perfect example. There's two of us at this table who have had that same feeling, that same thought process. Further education could prevent that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I quickly learned, okay, these guys are just out there having a good time, just like I am. And, you know, we all are looking for different things at, to, to get different things out of hunting. And let's just go out and have fun. Yeah, High country buck hunts, no, you know, no different. Um, yeah. I've, I've been on approaches to elk and somebody's blasted a, a mule deer and I've been like, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I there's forgot. a season right now. Yeah, that, <laughs> sheep is the same way. And I mean, you sure. know, some of those places is specifically, let's say in the songgrace, um, elk are by the sheep. I mean, when I say by, they're you're relatively close, especially right. once they get the sheep get pushed down on the timber. Um, and there's sheep seasons going on. Mountain goats, not too many elk hanging out by elk, mountain goats, but it happens. But the sheep is a little more prevalent. Um, that's never, like, I was kind of surprised none of this was brought. Again, if you're worried you're in a sheep unit during a sheep season and you're hunting elk, if you're worried, and I'm, I would, you know, wear orange, right? You, you, you have that choice, but it seems like the light has only been shed on this and there's only been three incidents in 25 years. So I don't know that there's ever been incidents on the rifle side of things. And, and one of the things Frank brought up is would, was it because they're scoped, right? They, their target acquisition and clarity is a little bit better with the scope. That's an excellent point. And, and should we allow scopes on muzzleloaders? Would that solve some of the problem? I'm going to get well, stoned so, in the courtyard for saying that. <laughs> and truthfully, I think, I think the thing that's preventing that from happening is they want to keep these primitive seasons primitive. It's the same reason that, uh, you know, like range finding sites aren't allowed on bows during archery season is they want to keep these as primitive as they can. I mean, it's the same reason we don't allow, you know, sabotaged bullets in muzzleloader season or smokeless powder. I mean, we, we are trying to keep it, you know, Colorado's trying to keep these semi-prim. Yeah, or even the, uh, what's that one that has a 9-volt battery in it to help ignite? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, but, <laughs> like, to the numbers, one of the things we, like, well, Oh, we, yeah, we were discussing that yeah, like 15 minutes I, ago. I derailed us. Um, <laughs> it happened. So, like, what we're trying to do as the Colorado Bow Hunters Association is, A, amplify the voice of bow hunters, whether you're in yes. Colorado, you're a non-resident, whatever it is. You know, we're here to protect bow hunters' rights, our season structure, et cetera. Um, and one of the ways we do that is just gathering information and trying to present it in a way that makes sense. So, a couple of weeks ago, we sent out a survey. We emailed it just to our membership to try and get a pulse of, what our membership wants and then here in a few days we're also going to post some on social media to try and get a pulse for anybody who's out of state or anybody who's not on our email list who's not a member just so we can get a better picture of bow hunters whether you wanted to pay your 30 bucks and join us or not um but it was 
It was pretty cool to see. I mean, in eight hours, we had 700 responses to the survey, which was a lot more than I thought would happen. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the numbers here. I killed the tab. But it was, it was overwhelming that bow hunters do not want to wear orange. And like 73% didn't even think that wearing orange would make them feel safer or solve the problem. And that's one of the things I'm worried about is if you, if you write orange into the reg book and you say that all bow hunters need to wear orange and then next year somebody wearing orange gets shot, they're not going to... What's next? What's next, right? And it's never one of those things, you know, if, if they Kev- require us to wear orange Kevlar. and in 25 years there's zero, they're not going to say, okay, well, it's working. Now let's, you know, let's take it back. They'll never take something like that back. Now, once, once, a, once a freedom, I guess you could say, is taken away, it's generally not handed back over later on. Um, I, I think, uh, and, and probably what we'll do on this, like you guys have um, uh, some different um, a, a poll, I guess you would say. that. Yeah. We want, what we're going to do probably, and Colin obviously is the master at this, uh, we'll kick that out on a separate portion before this podcast starts cool. off, and then they'll listen to it. Because um, I want to get that out first. In awesome. case yeah. We start rabbit holing yeah. and people are like, I don't want to listen to this. <laughs> um, so I, I think, though, uh, for, for people listening in, it, this is not just Colorado, obviously. Out-of-state hunters that, that come to Colorado, uh, whether you're muzzleloader, um, you know, mule deer, elk, rifle, bow, whatever. When you um, look at this, I always kind of platform it for me of how many times would orange have made a difference? None. Okay, no, none. Right. How many yeah. times would orange been a hindrance to harvesting an animal? Awesome. Uh, a few. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I say a few, probably once, once or twice a season. Um, in in generally, uh, mule deer's a little bit different because you're sneaking in behind them. Elk, big difference. Um, elk see movement, but they also see giant blocks of movement a little bit better than camo. So again. Would orange have ever have ever had a near miss where I'm like, man, orange would have made a difference? Never, not once. Um, which kind of goes along with the stats. Would orange hurt me harvesting an animal? Without a doubt. Yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty easy. Like that's how I look at it. So if you're listening in on this and you're like, orange is a great idea, I get it off the hip, like super simple fix. Now take a step back. What have you ever had an issue where you needed orange? If the answer is no, then you're making an off the hip decision that probably yeah, not, right. not, not thinking through. Um, no, no different. Um, I, I guess the season dates, you're an elk hunter, yeah. move them forward. Well, you screwed all the mule deer hunters. Thanks a lot. <laughs> right. So again, take a step back, think of the big picture and then assess and, and make, make a decision. And I don't know if you guys want to add to that, but that's, as I get older, especially in life, I try not to shoot from the hip. Like I used to generally you come out like a dumb shit, take a step back, look at everything. Would yeah. You guys have any to add to that? The more information I mean, you get the better and that's why we're that's what exactly what we're trying to do here with commission is like joey said just provide them with more information and provide that from I mean, we have 864 results responses now but we're going moving forward here we're going to blast this all over social media to go to our website and take this poll and we want to get a hundred thousand responses you know we want to give them a big cross-section of numbers so that they can look at it and make as educated a decision as possible. That's that's our entire goal here. And, and I would this. I would say that, like I said, um, you know, I started typing up a letter this morning. I I don't know that that's over, a, a horrible idea because you know sometimes you know how they say, hey, leave a review, five star. Would you like to leave yeah. a comment? Comments are always better, right? Yeah, yeah, five star. I'm usually lazy and I don't leave a comment because you're asking me how I like 
I, whatever. I don't know. How you uh, liked your good. server at Chili's. Yeah. How, was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How was Dropbox? I love it. I don't want to type about <laughs> yeah, it. So, exactly. But in this case, I think leaving a comment in a scenario and maybe a voice isn't a horrible idea. Um, you know, the scenario like I gave, um, Henry, you know how much you've known me a long time and how much I get to hunt. The data I have is, is, is fairly vast in the, in, a, in the sense of how much time I get to spend in the field. And so I can say legitimately over the course of 20 years, you're looking at Price 5,150 nights, 200 nights a year in the field, somewhere like that. I've never had an issue with somebody, you know, now I've had muzzleloaders come up when I'm calling yep. and again, I generally get low and I say, yeah. Hey, Hey, and then there's no issue. Yeah. When and if orange, you've got a decoy, I mean, the responsible thing to do is drop that sucker, the, but that's assuming you see him coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, that's uh, again, may not have been what happened here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and like with what you had mentioned, Bow hunters have to take maybe not responsibility right. of that specific three incidents, but responsibility of I'm going to do a better job knowing now that hopefully this doesn't go through. That could have, and I could put uh, a better foot forward to making sure this doesn't happen. And I'm not blaming anyone like yeah. in those, in, but I know for me, anytime I'm in the woods with a muzzleloader, one, I just hike in farther um, and try to get away. But if you're close to muzzleloaders, yeah, make sure that your head's a little bit on a swivel, you know, that, that you are not maybe putting yourself in harm's way. Um, and, and orange, I don't think, is going to make that big of a difference. It's just going to be a hindrance. Right, yeah, and maybe responsibility to go back to, uh, I see you greasing up your knuckles over there. So, uh, <laughs> like, it's responsibility may be too harsh or too strong of a word, but, I mean, it's like, you know, if you ride a Harley, do you, you don't have to wear a helmet in Colorado. <laughs> No, Colorado, I, but I, responsibility is the right word. Yeah. I, I'm not, I probably not going to bring yeah. up the incidents you are having today at one o'clock or is that yesterday? It was yesterday. Yeah. 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 I got to talk to you about that. <laughs> There's a responsibility we all have to be safe. And that right. doesn't mean, you know, as far as a bow hunter, that doesn't mean I'm not, safety is just me not flinging arrows. It's also self-awareness and making myself safe. And again, this has I do not, this has nothing to do with those three right, uh, right. issues we're talking about. But in general, I know archers that call in muzzleloader hunters. Um, I know muzzleloaders that'll call in archers. That's not safe, right? I mean, I, I mean, when I was younger, actually, I thought it was kind of funny. But now, as oh, I've yeah. gotten older, that's, some, that's stupid. And that's why I say responsibility. If I had to swear on a Bible, have I, ever, have I been made the most conscious and, and responsible decisions in the field with muzzleloaders around? I can't, I can't, right. I am now. Right. And I have for the last several years. That's why I think responsibility is the perfect word for it. Well, so, that's yeah, the, like, if, I mean, if you're, I used to ride Harley, I just sold it. Don't tell my wife this or my kids. Cause I want them to wear helmets. But like, if I, you know, if I'm just scooting over to the store to get a gallon of milk, yeah. throw it under my vest, like maybe I don't wear a helmet, but if it's raining outside or it's sleeting, I'm not going to go jump on I-25 and you know, run 80 without a helmet because that's like, that's what I mean by responsibility. Let's talk about like, cardio. Yeah, it's accountability. Yeah, more accountability. Than yeah, let's thank talk, you. Let's talk about doing cardio. I live on a very, 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 have you been to my house? Uh, it's a horrible windy road. All right. Yeah. I live on the top of Conifer Mountain. My wife drops me off the bottom and I hike to the top. Um, in on, the daylight. Like on purpose? Or? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, in the daylight, totally safe, right? You can see me in the, in, in, and I have to make, again, responsibility. In the morning, it's dark. 
Somebody could be on their cell phone driving or whatever else. Now, they are not being responsible, but if I don't have a headlamp on the back in front of me dangling oh, like yeah. a pinata, I am not helping the, the situation. And so I have a reflective band and I have a headlamp. I swing off the back, bright. It's going straight down. And so if somebody is on a phone, they're not being responsible. My responsibility is maybe going to carry forward and, and help that specific situation. Sure. And if you choose, it's not a law. And it shouldn't be. You should have freedom of choice. Right. If your dumbass wants to run up the side of the road or be on a, a bicycle on the road and wear earphones and not be able to hear what cars are coming, that is their fault and their choice. And in, in my case, like I'm bringing up with the, the backpack cardio, I had one incidence where I was a dummy. I didn't have, you know, didn't have anything on. Headphones are on, flying up the hill. I bought a bone after, what are those called? The bone conducting earphones because I can hear cars coming after that. Oh, okay. For that specific, about getting clipped. And it was my fault. And when I say that, the driver has to be aware. Well, it, it, it was my, my dumb ass was on the white line, no lights on, dark as shit. Yeah. I needed to do that. Again, and if you are in the field and you feel responsibility, put orange on. I mean, right. I mean yeah. And, and again, some of the other things like uh, calling, hey, you know, making noise, uh, things like all, I, I, I'm rambling here, more focus on... Hunter safety would be, I think, where the direction needs to go, not putting a Band-Aid on something that, quite honestly, isn't going to fix much. Because I, I would bet if this goes through, there's going to be another instance in the next 10 years, just like there would have been with or without Orange. And okay. you guys may argue with that, but I don't think Orange oh, is going to fix no, the problem. I fear that you're correct in that. And like Joey mentioned earlier, I mean, what's, what's the next step? I mean... Kevlar, right? Yeah, yeah we Kevlar. Wear, we you know, sappy place <laughs> front back, yeah. Well, I think it's also good to mention that uh, the two gentlemen who were involved in the incident were both out-of-staters. Yeah. Um, I'm not aware of the regulations for out-of-state folks coming into Colorado on hunter uh, education. I know you, when you get a tag here, you got to take your hunter safety course as Colorado residents and all that stuff, but... I don't know if you're coming from New Jersey. Do you have to go through the same? Yeah, so they okay. still have to take. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a wildlife compact, and basically all of the all of the states acknowledge hunter safety, and I, I think it's like 48 of the states require it, and we are definitely one of those. So you have to enter your hunter safety number. Um, and to be able to, before you can even apply. There's, there's also in some uh, states hunter safety, and in some states there's bow hunter safety bow hunter, and, yeah, there's, yeah. and there's both well there's here the, the bow nebraska hunter safety. i believe requires it but yeah or they used to anyway yeah, yeah. I, we have it here uh it's not required though yeah um yeah. but montana like th it's a separate thing if i recall correctly you got to take a separate course not just yeah. have your hunter safety you know and everything it's funny one of the game wardens i had talked to yesterday we the, the of course every topic covid comes up um <laughs> we, but again like um it parallels like one of my big my big standpoints with this has been Henry. You're looking funny. You want me to talk? You want me to leave? No, go ahead. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> um, but no, um, focus on uh, you know diet, nutrition, getting outdoors, staying healthy. Uh, you know things like that. Does that mean you shouldn't take the vaccine? That's each person's choice. But yeah. I, I don't think mandatory vaccines. Um, I think we should be focusing on health, fitness, um, a general good lifestyle more than dab this into your system, right? That's a personal choice. One to five times. Well, or probably 12. <laughs> two. I'm on my ninth booster. Um, and and, and I, I make, you know. One more and I get a free dramatic. sandwich at Subway. Yeah, uh, uh, but again, <laughs> there's no focus being put on um, what I think probably should be, you know, 
directed towards uh, or very little in that subject, and that's the same parallel with what we're talking about. The orange is a Band-Aid. I mean, it doesn't really fix much. Yeah. Um, and, and hunter safety, um, you know, responsibility, those are the things that really should be focused on. And again, does that mean they're not doing a good job now? No, but you can always do more. And so oh, rather yeah. than, I've done good. I haven't cussed once on this. Uh, effing around with this, I think maybe some different um, avenues of approach towards a little bit more hunter safety, a little bit more awareness while you're in the field, gun safety, archer safety. That makes sense. I could get behind that. I would support that, and I would help teach that. Saying, hey, throw this orange vest on, you're going to be okay, that's, that's false hope. I don't think anything will change, other, oh, yeah. than, other than being a pain in the ass for the guy actually hunting. And there's still incidents, like, you know, there are still incidents in Colorado where rifle hunters, everybody's wearing orange, yeah. and there's still death. Right, so no. it's not going to solve it 100%. Every, every state. Like, it's every worse state. than other states, but yeah. Still safer than skiing. <laughs> but still <laughs> safer than driving to work. Absolutely. Yeah. I like safer. your, uh, you know, your hiking analogy. If you're going to wear, you know, Christmas lights all around so a car doesn't hit you on your morning hike, that you do that because there's danger there and you're aware of it, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. You're not going to do the same thing if you were going to hike up in a wilderness area where there's no cars running around. You're not going to... I, sh- I should have thrown more context into this. I got rabbit hole. I agree 100%. Where I live, behind me is the state park. I don't wear anything. I mean, I just go out. Yeah. There's no cars, right? There's no, but when you go out my front door, I have a paved road with people winding up it. So yeah, like you said, I mean, I know that there's danger on one side of the fence. The other side of the fence danger is lightning, mountain lions, and all the other crap that I really don't ever pay attention to. But I don't need to wear a light for that. I don't need to wear right, a yeah. reflective vest. Now, if I needed to, let's say I was hiking in a hunting season, then I could make that. I would assess that choice, and I would, I would do it if it's needed. Again, it's freedom of, freedom of choice. Like, you need to make that decision. You need to take responsibility for your own actions, not slap a Band-Aid on it. Well, it's a, it's a peanut butter approach, right? They're just trying to spread it over the whole thing because— Don't say peanut butter in front of Aaron. <laughs> yeah. If you— uh, <laughs> kryptonite you know by by just throwing it out that everybody has to do it all the time if muzzleloader is going on you know if you're hiking across the plains you know trying to sneak up on something you can see all around you there's nobody there you know does it make sense for you to have to wear 500 inches and a hat visible from all directions right it just doesn't there has to be some component here of freedom of choice if you feel like you need to do it do it if you're out there and you, you're by yourself, you know, maybe you shouldn't have to do it because it will. You know, people will be talking about this at the Christmas table. You know, can you harvest elk wearing full orange? You know, there's going to be people who write in probably or call you and say, you know, I've hunted in a, you know, a hot well, pink onesie and I've killed elk every season for the last 10 years. Yeah. Well, uh, this is the internet, um, <laughs> which I can't wait to get off of. Uh, I've killed deer in a sleeveless t-shirt sneaking up from behind them. Right. Well, it was hot and they were sleeping and they weren't looking at me. Okay. Yeah, I've done it. Can I base uh, my one situation and say, you're all stupid. You can't do that. Well, I only did it once, right? I mean, what about the other yeah. uh, whitetail or, or elk on the ground or whatever? Again, I, I, the, the orange thing, the status quo makes total sense to me and maybe put a little bit more effort into an awareness. Now, I would say if there was 
three to five incidents a year. Okay, well, that 100 number is, you know, is that maybe there's, there's too many people in the field, right? Okay, is that a safety? What, three in 25 years is, that doesn't even raise a blip on a statistical algorithm. I mean, that is right. not, that is well, even and close. Especially when you look at, and you mentioned numbers, I mean, hey, we, we're, we're a pretty popular state right now. We're a popular Are we the most popular elk state? Yeah. Gotta be, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. we have the largest population of elk. And the largest amount of pot shops. Yeah. We do, we do, and I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even positive that that affects the elk numbers, but, yeah. but it might. <laughs> yeah. uh, they they want to attribute it to everything else, but but yeah, we have the. I, I mean, there's a few things that make Colorado a really top destination. I mean, first of all, we are the first state that people from back east hit when they're driving west. Right, we're the first state. We and have, if you're driving up from the south, absolutely, we're the first state that has. A population of elk, a, a and, significant population of elk. And over-the-counter tax. That's step number two is we have over-the-counter tax. We have easy access to tax. Unlimited. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, we are a very easy destination for, for a non-resident. And that's great. I mean, hey, it makes our state, it makes our parks and wildlife run smoothly. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, the money, the money works and it's, uh, it's great. But it's putting a lot of people who don't, in this place all the time in the woods at a concentrated at a very short period of time. Basically. That's very true. Yeah, it's very true. But it does that over a, and Colorado's pretty smart in that we have several rifle seasons. We've got a long archery season. We, so it, it gives people an opportunity to go out and kind of pick and choose the time that works best for them. And in, in, a, in their own way, that limits the number of, uh, you know, other hunters that are in the field. So if we just had literally, all of these people out there in one rifle season, in a two-week archery season, oh my gosh, we'd be tripping <laughs> over each other all the time. Yeah. And that's why, they, that's why they spread that out. And, and it's, it's really smart in their in CPW's perspective. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't want to dive down into the, unless you guys do, the, the season. Uh, they, I, in another, three years, we should. Another, yeah. Dave, another yeah. discussion for another time, because yeah. you know what? I definitely want to have that discussion. We, yeah. we need to have that discussion. No, and I, I got blasted a little bit because I had talked about, you know, over-the-counter with caps, you know, you know, do you want to have a hunt or do you want to have a good hunt? Um, do you want to go to a trailhead with, with five cars or 15 or, you know, however you want to look at it? And I personally, I, I think OTC with caps is ideal yeah because it gives you the numbers it gives you the opportunity to buy your tag that you don't what? have to learn somebody else's draw system and i think that's one of the most intimidating things for a non-resident is learning somebody else's another state's draw system before you apply because holy crap it's crazy i mean we have we're different than wyoming which is different than utah which is different than arizona which is different than new mexico which is i mean so that's why these OTC hunts are so stinking desirable. Well, and, and you don't even have to talk about caps or not. I mean, even if you looked at it by just separating it into, instead of buying OTC where you can hunt the entire state, maybe you got to pick a unit or a group of units and do it that way first. And you yeah. still get the same number. There's a lot of good alternatives out there. And, I'm, and hey, you know what? They're all going to be discussed in three years. Yeah. Over the next three years. and that's, I bet there's a lot of more mule deer hunters that show up to that meeting than the last one. Um, guarantee it. Yeah, and, and we, we were up in the high country this year. We still got into mule deer, but it wasn't the same as it, I mean, not the same as it was when you get an extra week. Um, they're starting to lose their velvet. They come with a different animal. 
They truly do. That velvet changes their behavior like non-mule deer hunters will never understand. And, and I mean, thinking about this, um, let's say, you know, hypothetically, but I mean, obviously, they're still there during, some deer still there during muzzleloader season. I have to be in a cliff at 12,800 feet, not a hunter around. Not, not, you could see me no matter what I wear from any, you know, distance. I have to wear orange if this goes through. And, yeah. you know, that was where I was like, all right, this is really a, this is a bandaid. Like this makes no yeah. sense because I'm, I'm picturing myself. You see some of the train we hunt, you know, here's Elmer Fudd poking over the edge. I've got the closest elk hunter is two miles away in the timber. Yeah. <laughs> I feel safe. That's horrible. Like that makes no sense because again, um, I, I am being penalized or, uh, Hunter safety is the fix to that, not, or, or, mm-hmm. or awareness and responsibility. And I would literally, it would, I, I honestly, you come write me tickets now, boys. I'm not going to wear it. I mean, it makes no <laughs> sense. And that, I mean, if it became a law, I, it's eight miles in, come say hi. Like, there's no way. I'm like, I don't even have an elk within a mile of me. Maybe, I, you know, <laughs> I, I fear that, I mean, what's going to happen if you make this, if they do pass this, then there's going to be a lot of orange worn at trailheads. Yeah. Well, it, I, one of the, and then backpacks taken off and orange put into the backpack when one, they get out of sight. One of the uh, officials I talked to yesterday, I was like, you guys going to really enforce this? And he said, look, we don't get to make a choice. It's a law. Yeah. We have to enforce it. And I'm like, no, I get, I get that. It's kind of a dumb question, but I guess my, my, what I was trying to get across was, okay, if you have to enforce this, how the hell are you going to do it unless they're right there? Like yeah. what you're saying, like a lot of people hiking out in the woods, apparently. What, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, oh, pull it out of my, you know, top of my pack and throw it on. The, I mean, it, it again, it, and, and this is kind of the root of everything we've talked about. Wear it if you want, because yeah. if you don't want to, you're probably only going to be putting it on the last 400 yards or the last, you know. There's going to be maybe a real, you know, froggy game warden that goes in a way. But I mean, uh, generally, if you are off the trail, um, and I'm, I'm, I would see if you guys agree with this, you're off the trail a half mile. I mean, it's realistic for elk, and you're a mile and a half in. Are you going to keep the orange on Are you guys? Like, would you? Plead the fifth. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so, it's, like, it's like duck hunting. I, I love duck hunting. And, you know, you, you set up somewhere and the birds are fresh. You know they're not stale. They're coming in and they're flaring off your spread. You jump out there and you're, oh, man, I need to change something. Oh, maybe I'll put the coyote decoy away, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be the same thing if you're out there and you're trying to, you know, follow all the regulations. You're wearing your orange. Every bull you calls in comes and sees your big block of 500 inches and yeah. busts the other way. Yeah. And, I know and, a lot of people are going to take it off at that yeah, point. I was just, that was kind of my point. And I know people don't like to touch on these subjects because you're admitting to breaking the law. But I, yeah. I, I don't necessarily, I'm not looking at it that way. I'm trying to look at the re- reality. How many people will keep it on? And again, you call in a 320 bull. And that bull just locks on you. Was it the orange fault or your fault? I don't know, but it's getting blamed on the orange and the orange well, is coming off. Right. Exactly. Well, I mean, much- what you look at is you look at what changed since my last encounter I had with an elk. Yeah. Well, last time I wasn't where 500 square inches of blaze orange <laughs> yeah. and I got that shot. This time I was and I didn't. Well, especially if a guy's paying 800 bucks for an out-of-state tag and he yeah. comes in, he has a bull of a lifetime coming down on him. Boom, locks in them. I mean, he. I'm not wearing the blaze orange next time. I just wasted a thousand dollars in a trip out to Colorado. 
Well, and that's the funny thing is, I mean, you look at the cost, the cost of the tag, 660 bucks for a non-resident tag. Well, that's not factoring in. You probably dropped 800 bucks on a new Kafaru pack to make sure he was, you know, compliant. 18 on a carbon bow. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then he's got travel expenses, gas is expensive now, you know, he's got lodging on the way out. I mean, there's a lot of expenses in, in putting one of these hunts together. And I think that that... And hey, that could be what clouds the judgment of some of these guys. And has to when there's well, that movement in the brush, that might be what's but, getting those guys but, I, I, itchy trinker finger too. Again, my my with the reality of this, whether people want to, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's people listening in just saying, well, that's breaking the law. It's it's still yeah. a reality. I mean, yeah. and it and it doesn't fix the problem. What fixes the problem is hunter safety, uh, you know, weapon awareness, everything like that. And then obviously, if you want to wear it. Keep it on. Go uh, for it. Yeah. Because I guarantee even if it's a law, if they don't want to wear it, they're going to take it off, and it doesn't fix anything. Well, and we had uh, the survey that we sent out to our membership. There, One of the questions was, do you currently wear orange? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, there are a number that were. There was a small, small number. Out of yeah, 864, we had 2.8%. So 24 people said they wear orange or wow. pink during muzzleloader season. And that's um, their choice. Yeah, that's yeah. their choice. Yep. Well, and it's like, what what happens if two years from now uh, uh, a hiker gets shot by a muzzleloader or an archer? Do are we now going to force everyone for a certain period of time from the end of August to the end of December to wear orange if you're going to go in the woods? It's a great, great question. Yeah. We don't have the answer to that. Right I just now, think to that this, honest, but. if this gets passed, it's a slippery slope down that. It is. And if you're, if you're somebody who listens to this podcast or gets involved in this, you're like, yeah, I don't really care. I just rifle hunt. I, I wear orange. It could be something that, again, this gets set and it's a slippery slope down to where it changes a lot more about the experience in the woods that you don't want. Yeah. So, um, kind of, I guess wrapping this up, we've hit a, an hour, uh, in a bit, um, what I'd like to do, uh, Colin, if you're cool with this, is um, you guys get what you want to as far as the uh, where they can go take the poll, so on and so forth. You splice that on in the beginning of this, and then they can listen to us ramble for an hour and something. So we get the, <laughs> we get the good stuff out front. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. So I appreciate you guys uh, being a voice for bow hunting. Uh, Colin, I, I appreciate you diving on as well. Sir. And uh, yeah, everybody get on there, vote, make a difference, and uh, try to be as safe as you possibly can when you're in the outdoors. Wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs>